This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. I am thrilled to have the opportunity to help you in your engineering career through this podcast and also through our website at engineeringcareercoach.com. In today's episode, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to take you inside the Engineering Career Summit, which is the event that my partner Christian and I threw in Washington, D.C. in early May, and we'll be throwing again next May in New Orleans, Louisiana. We're excited about that. We plan to make this an annual event focused on helping engineers develop both personally and professionally. We feel that there's a need for that in the engineering industry. So in today's episode, I'm going to play for you shortly an audio recording of one of the Engineering Career Summit sessions. The session was entitled Engineering Leadership and was given by Pat Sweet, who actually appeared on this show as a guest in episode 28, talking about crafting meaningful emails for engineers. Pat Sweet is a professional engineer working in Ontario, Canada as a product manager in the rail industry. He's also the author behind the Engineering and Leadership blog at engineeringandleadership.com, where he kind of shares his thoughts and experiences on leadership, productivity, and different career strategies for engineers. And it's an excellent blog. You should check that out. But the session that you're about to hear was a very interesting session that Pat gave at the summit. In fact, in the beginning of the session, when you hear it, he pulls the engineers in the audience as to ask them what leadership is. And I thought that some of the definitions of leadership were really interesting. One that stood out was, and you'll hear this in the show here coming up, is that leadership is not management. And he kind of gets into that. He did have some slides for his presentation, but I don't think you need the slides at all. You can pretty much get all the information from the audio. So it should be very valuable for you, and I hope you enjoy it, and also get a little bit of a flavor of how powerful I think the event as a whole was. Before we get into the main segment of the show, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode. Are you thinking about taking the FE electrical and computer exam? If so, PPI just released a new review manual and online review course for the FE Electrical and Computer Exam. To receive a special 15% off promo code, visit ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. That's ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. I'll have more information about PPI's FE Exam resources a little later on in the show. The show notes for today's episode will be located at techpodcast.com. Look for episode number 64. Again, that's tech, T-E-C-C, podcast.com. The show notes will contain a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any resources, websites, or other books that might be mentioned during the episode. And again, that's techpodcast.com. Look for episode 64. All right. So with that, I'm going to dive right in here. I'm going to hand you over to, I guess, Pat Sweet in his session, and then I'll come back at the end of the show after Pat's done, and I'll give you a very actionable piece of advice related to his topic of leadership that you can try out in your career today. Yeah, before I get started, I'll just just tell you a little bit about myself. Um, 
Again, my name is Pat Sweet. I've been uh, out of school working in industry for, for almost 10 years now. Uh, the last four years have been in the rail industry. So I, I started off as, a, as an electrical engineer in industry working on vehicle systems. Um, so uh, propulsion, brakes, control systems, all that good stuff. And in the beginning of January, I started a new job as a product manager. Okay, so it's kind of my, my first foray into engineering management. The whole, the whole idea there is that uh, it's, it's kind of a, I'm moving a little bit into the evil side, okay? It's kind of a marketing role, to be, <laughs> if I'm totally honest with you. Um, it's a neat mix between, between business and engineering. So my, my job there is to take our systems and understand, you know, what does the market want in the rail systems we develop? For, for me specifically, I develop monorail systems. Uh, it's for, for Bombardier transportation. So anyway, the, the, the whole idea is to take a look, what does the market want, where's technology headed, and how can I invest in our product to develop it so that the market's still happy with the monorails we build. All right, so, so that, that's a little bit about me. Um, I'm happy to share more about me later, later during the day uh, over coffee, beer, whatever's going. Uh, very happy to talk to, to the lot of you. So um, just a few ground rules as we get started. First thing I'd like to mention is that this is a workshop, it's not a lecture, okay? So if you have questions, raise your hand, shout, yell, what, whatever you gotta do, that's fine. I'm a lot happier to have a conversation with you than I am to talk at you, okay? That's not the idea here. Um, if you've gotta stand up, move, get coffee, bathroom, water, whatever, that's fine, don't worry about that, just, just go ahead and do it. And I should apologize for my accent, okay? I'm, I, or at least I'm told I have an accent. I'm from the east coast of Canada, which kind of makes me a, a Canadian version of Honey Boo Boo, okay? <laughs> so if there's something, if I'm not speaking loud enough or I'm slurring some words, I, I, let me know and, I, and I'll repeat it, uh, honestly. And I'm gonna try and leave some time at the end for discussion, um, but if we don't get to a question you have or if you, uh, something comes to you later on, write it down, come find me, email me. Uh, again, come to me with coffee and or beer and, <laughs> and I, I'd be very happy to talk. Um, before I move forward, everyone can hear me okay? Everyone can, uh, I hope, <laughs> see the screen? So today's talk is gonna be broken up into three parts, okay? I wanna talk about why leadership is important, what leadership is and what it's not, and then following that, I want to talk about ways you can put leadership into practice, especially in an engineering context. So with that end, my hope is that at the end of this, you're going to have a much better understanding of what leadership is and how you can actually use it in your careers. So before I go any further, uh, I'd like to ask you guys a question. What, why is leadership important? And especially in an engineering context, why, why might leadership be important for engineers? Or is it not? Without leadership, or I should say direction and leadership follows direction, nothing occurs. Mm. Okay, so it's important to it's get anything done, right? Circling in the direction. Circling drain, actually. Yeah, it's the difference between between moving and actually moving forward. Right? Someone needs to decide what forward looks like. Okay. Anything else? I... Engineers and scientists uh, tend to possess unique tacit knowledge that mm -hmm. they, and they may have different opinions about how to drive that forward. And so a leader in that situation can be very helpful to leverage those talents and at the same time achieve a goal for the company or whatever the right. engineering team is working towards. So. Right, engineers are notorious for having brilliant ideas and everyone else's idea is less brilliant. And we should do what I want to do. 
Well, yes. Okay. I, no, not that anyone here is like that, I'm sure. But, uh, everyone's very happy about everyone else's brilliant ideas. No, <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It's absolutely, it's, it's critical to, get, to getting cohesion, right? And, and having people move together as one unit. Does anyone think leadership is maybe not as, as important for engineers? Well, that's what my research is going to find out, I hope. Okay, my, okay. The, the, the anecdotal research question I have is, um, what would Sheldon want in a leader? <laughs> <laughs> and is it different from someone working at Walmart? Yeah, would want yeah, a leader? yeah. But um, my initial, I, I polled a small group yesterday, and they shared with me that they, I think they want a lot of the same things that everyone else does. Respect, sure. honesty, trust, uh, autonomy. I, I think that might be mm -hmm, more unique mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. engineers. Uh, so, uh, but... Well, I think maybe because engineers are, are intellectually more capable, they just are, okay, they may oh, want shucks. to, uh, <laughs> uh, they may see leadership as being in the way. Okay, that's interesting, things, interesting. So well, and, and you, you hit on a couple key terms there. I promised I didn't send her my presentation <laughs> earlier, yeah. but this is, this is beautiful. So there are a couple reasons that, that I think leadership is, is especially important to engineering. Okay, so to answer the question, yes, I absolutely think leadership is important for engineering. And there's a couple, couple main points here. Leaders, in general, affect real change in the world around them. They help their organizations be more successful, profitable, and sustainable, and leaders end up having higher satisfaction in their careers. Given these benefits, to me, it's easy to see how leadership can be applied in an engineering context. Engineering leaders design better products, they solve bigger problems, and they inspire their colleagues to do the same. As I mentioned before, engineers are already in a, in a, a unique position, right, to change the world, right? The, the, the things we do literally change the world around us. So an engineer with leadership skills leverages that ability, okay? With all, that all being said, I'd like to go into some detail now on, on what leadership is and what it isn't. Now, leadership can be something of a fuzzy concept for engineers. We like our facts, we like our figures. Paradoxically, we're, we're a little bit more comfortable with second-order differential equations than we are with normal ideas like leadership. <laughs> okay, it's hard to wrap your arms around what leadership is. First, I'd like to tackle some myths about leadership and, and what, what leadership is not. But before I do that, what is leadership? Just a, anyone. What is leadership or, or what is leadership not? I'm happy to, to we're going to tackle both. So what do you think? You, you just had an awesome talk on that, that covered leadership. Leadership is not management. Okay, excellent. It's true, 100% true. What else is leadership or what else is leadership not? Leadership is visionary. Yes. Yeah, being able to see the forest. Yeah, excellent. Respect. Yeah, yeah, very good ideas. Leadership is leading when, leading in a way that people who are being led don't feel like they're being led. Mm, that's that's a very interesting thought, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get they to uh, to that. Doing what they want to do. But yeah, really, yeah. Really okay. Now, hold hold that thought for okay. about 20 minutes because that's, <laughs> I'm really glad you said that. And getting people to work together toward a common goal and then yes. even surpass their own wildest. Yes. Yes. So there, there's some there's some mission that that you're working towards, right? Yeah. And also, because I, I haven't heard this one come up, I didn't come in Jonathan's either, but it's doing what needs to be done even when it's not comfortable or nobody wants to do it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and if they're not following, you're not leading. There you go. Leaders okay. lead the, <laughs> leaders like the five of people from within, manager like the five underneath those people. <laughs> I, like I like that, I like that. I think that's mm -hmm. real. 
I like that. That's I've, I've never heard that before. That's yeah. excellent. I, and I don't know if this is where you're going with it, because it may be more of, as we veer towards what makes a leader, but to me, a leader also, or leadership also, would emphasize the strengths of the people they have and do the best to minimize the weaknesses, as in not putting someone in a position where they are not as good at putting them in a position where they can accentuate their strengths. That's right. They help, they help people do the best work that they can do, right? They're not set up to fail. If they're not, if they're not a great writer. Right, right. Um, well, that, this is, you, you guys could have given yourselves the talk, quite, <laughs> quite frankly. I, I, I didn't have to fly here, so it's, but I'm very happy to be in Washington. Don't, don't get me wrong. So I'd like to talk a little bit about, first, what leadership is not. And, and you mentioned some of these already. First of all, leadership is not management, okay? These are two separate ideas. The two are related, but, but they're, they're different, okay? We've all worked with leaders who did not have manager in their title. Okay, we've all worked for managers who had zero leadership ability. Okay, I believe that the strongest managers are absolutely leaders and the two tend to go hand in hand, but you don't need to be a manager to be a leader. All right, so I, I, I forget who mentioned that. I think, I think that's something you, you pointed out right away. Who here has a management position? Is anyone here a manager? Okay, excellent. Who here has a leadership role? Thank you. Okay, so more hands go up and the same few hands, all the managers, definitely, absolutely have leadership roles. That's an important distinction to draw, okay? Leadership is not charisma. While many leaders are charismatic, some of the greatest leaders are not charismatic people. Quite frankly, there, there are some really awkward leaders out there. There's a, there's a really interesting story about a guy named Darwin Smith, who in, in 1971 became CEO of Kimberly Clark. Kimberly Clark at that point was kind of a perpetual loser, okay? They, they couldn't do anything right. They hired Smith, and there was a lot of there was a lot of tension there hiring Smith because he's not your typical leader. He's not a charismatic guy. He was shy, he was quiet, and he was awkward. And he turned Kimberly Clark into one of the best performing companies in the States. So don't think of yourself. If you're not, if you're not a boisterous, outgoing, pat sweet kind of person, that's okay. That doesn't matter. All right? Leadership is not technical mastery. Now, having technical skills is, to my, to my way of thinking, critical for being a leader in, in the world of engineering. You, you gotta have your technical chops in line if anyone is going to respect you as a leader. But having your technical chops does not make you a leader. And it also doesn't make you management material, for that matter. I think we've probably also worked for managers who are fantastic engineers without, without a, a management bone in their body, right? Next, and probably most importantly, leadership is not something you're born with. Le leadership is a set of behaviors and it's a set of skills, and it can be learned, developed, and perfected over time. Like any other skill, some things come more naturally to people than others, sure. But that doesn't mean that if you're not born with these skills that you can't develop them. And finally, leadership is not something that's meant for senior professionals. Anyone here in this room with any position at any age, any stage in their career can be a leader. You don't have to have gray hair or you don't have to be losing your hair <laughs> to, to, to be a leader, okay? Very, very important. With all these things in mind, my hope is that it's clear to everyone that leadership is available to everyone in this room and that it's, it's important for everyone in this room. My hope is that by the end of the talk, you're going to be both motivated and equipped to, to take advantage of that fact. Now that we've discussed what leadership isn't, I'd like to talk a little bit about, about what leadership is. I think part of the confusion over leadership is that there seem to be as many definitions of leadership as there are definers of leadership. And that can be good and bad. And, what I'd like to present are, 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 are three ideas on leadership here. 
Eisenhower said that leadership is the art of getting people to want to do what you want them to do. They get excited about the mission and vision that you have. John Maxwell said that a leader is someone who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Maxwell's always really good for these, these sticky turns of phrase. I like that. And Peter Drucker, who's a management guru, said that uh, management is doing things right, while leadership is doing the right things. Now, all these things definitely sound like leadership. I, I, I think these all make perfect sense, but at the same time, it doesn't really, it doesn't define leadership, right? These, these things kind of, they sound to me as though leadership is one of these things, you know it when you see it, and it, and it, it's, it looks like this, but, but it still doesn't really define leadership. So what I want to do from here is move into more concrete definitions, right? We can do better than just a, a, couple, a couple nice quotes. Just as engineers tend to build mathematical models to capture and describe natural phenomena, scholars have built useful models to capture what leadership is. So there are two leadership models that I want to present today. There's a bunch of them. There's a slew of them, and you've probably come across you know, hundreds in your research. I wouldn't be surprised. These are two that I think are, can be useful uh, to the group today. One is transformational leadership, and the other is servant leadership. And I'm going to go into some detail into both these models of leadership now. Uh, bef before I move further, does, any does anyone have any questions? Everyone, please, proud and happy to be here. First, transformational leadership. It, it's, it's pretty well exactly what it sounds like. It's about transforming the organization around you. Transformational leaders understand what needs to change in, in their world and in their organizations and inspire and motivate others to actually achieve that change. There are four key components to transformational leadership, the four, the four I's. Idealized influence, inspirational motivation, individualized consideration, and intellectual stimulation. And I think these are fancy words to say simple things. They were just looking for four I words. <laughs> Idealized influence is just a fancy way to say be a role model. Transformational leaders walk the talk and tend to be admired for, for that fact. Inspirational motivation, again, is exactly what it sounds like. It's about inspiring and motivating others to take action, to, to realize some mission or vision. Individualized consideration just means taking a genuine interest in people. Transformational leaders know the names of their coworkers' kids, their favorite sports teams, and when they ask you, hey, how are you doing today? They actually mean it. They actually want to hear what you have to say. It's not just something you kind of say as you walk, <laughs> you walk past them in the hallway. They, they want to know, how are you doing? They care about you as people, not just as coworkers or employees. Finally, intellectual stimulation is the habit of encouraging others to be innovative and creative, often by being innovative and creative. So a researcher uh, named Bernard M. Barnes, who wrote that transformational leaders are able to earn trust, admiration, and respect from their followers by putting these four eyes in place. If you look back to Eisenhower's quote about uh, leadership being the art of getting people to want to do what you want them to do, that, that to me sums up what transformational leadership is about. Transformational leaders are able to get their followers to get excited and to work hard to achieve whatever mission or vision is established by the leader. Question for you guys. Has anyone worked with or for someone who, uh, yeah? So what has stimulated my research is that when I look back on my engineering career, I probably had 50, 60 managers, and I don't think even three of them meet these traits. But the ones that... Uh, when you say that, do you mean, do you mean all four or, or any oh, of them? Or transformational leaders. Sure, In other words, sure, sure. they made me feel like I could be better than myself. They're, they're so rare but their benefit to the world is so decisive mm. 
And the, the, one of the primary reasons I'm doing my research is to try to catalyze transformational leadership and technical leaders. Right, um, right. Uh, because it's, when you, when you meet one of these people, you know it. Right, right. Um, and it's just the most curious thing. How does one become one of these? Right. It's like, they, it's like they're, they're in the world, but they're not. Well, in a half an hour, we'll have a room full of them. So that's, that's oh, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be great. So that's my, my take on it. Is that, is sure. that, it's just very rare. But Absolutely. yes, when you work for yep. them, you know it. Yep. Has anyone felt that way, like they knew they were working for someone like this? Or, or saw someone working, even if it wasn't your, your own? Sure. Yeah, I worked at a farm and I had the, the owner was this type of believer. Yeah. But it was, it was very interesting because during the time that I worked there, he was um, getting up in age, like looking towards retirement, so he was kind of stepping back. And right. You could actually, you could really see the effect. It kind of had a negative effect on his farm, but at the same time he knew that he had to do it while he could right. still influence it in the yep. way. And so it was interesting to be there at that time. And so I didn't I didn't work directly for him, but you could tell this when he walked around the office and when he showed up those two days a week. Yeah. <laughs> so what what was it about him? What like uh, of these four these four characteristics, what kind of stands out to you? He was just a guy that you wanted to go to bat for, you know? Like, yeah. he, like he really you could tell that he knew you on a deeply personal level. He knew like all the like everybody that worked there. He knew stuff about you, and he was like a, rel a relentless worker himself. I mean, at the time, again, he was more towards retirement. Right. He was, right. You know, just a really hard worker. Not, not really, not overly technical person. Just a very good manager, and uh, just tireless worker. You know, he would do yep. whatever it took to get a project delivered. I read an interesting article in. Uh in the Harvard Business Review here uh, a while back, and it had a neat, neat little factoid about technical competence in, in kind of executive level uh, management. And, and basically what they said is that technical competence has to be there up to a point, and then being world-class expert after that doesn't, doesn't really matter. There, there, is, there is a certain threshold. And after that threshold, what really makes someone a fantastic manager or fantastic leader is emotional intelligence, right? Which is exactly what you're talking about. That this guy knew his whole company, right? Small firm, big firm, yeah, like, that's, that's a lot of people to keep track of, right? That's... Hey, just to kind of go on to what you said there, I've always had this thought that, and I, when I worked in large organizations, they really want you to, they want you to go to training to bring all your skills up to a certain level. Yeah. I always kind of felt that, that was kind of intuitive to True success for each one of us is our unique skills. Mm. What makes us what makes us great is what we do well. We have to bring all our we have to bring everything to a certain acceptable level. That's right. Technical skills. That's right. And then accentuate the true and then really hone in on those truly great skills. You ever read uh, Strengths Finder? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so it, it, for those of you who haven't haven't read it, uh, I saw a lot of nodding. Has anyone not read it? Okay. It's it's a really interesting study. Um, and, and kind of workbook and uh, author's name is Tom Rath and the theory basically goes that culturally we spend an awful lot of time focusing on what we're terrible at you know you're a bad public speaker go to Toastmasters learn learn to be better whatever okay you're a terrible engineer go learn to be an engineer uh, Tom Rath says well what if we focused on those things that we were really really good at and made those better invested in those skills 
yeah, you can't, you can't be an engineer without like simple calculus, right? You, you kind of got to have that. But if we spend our time thinking about what we're, we're extraordinarily good at and invest in those, we'll be even better. It'll be easier to learn, easier to get better. We'll be happier to put those skills to work. It's just life gets awesome, which I, I think is kind of the point you're making is that, that you know, there, there's some minimum threshold. You, 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 have to, you have to know the basics. But after that, if you can focus on what you're really passionate about, and then... And if you find yourself to be much more in tune to the technical aspects... You bet. Yeah. Learn the bare minimum communication skills. Learn how to speak in a meeting. Learn how to write to transmit your ideas. But really hone in on the technical skills. Do what you do Yep, 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 absolutely. I, I'm, I'm really glad you, 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 uh, you all bring that up. I'm really glad to hear that there are some examples of transformational leadership. The next model that I want to discuss a little bit is servant leadership. Now, servant leadership has been a theory that's existed for thousands of years, quite frankly. But it's become increasingly popular, especially in, in corporate culture since the 60s. It's a fellow by the name of uh, Robert Greenleaf, who was a management researcher who spent about four decades at AT&T. Okay? His job was to look at AT&T and help it understand its own management practices and to make it better. At the time, AT&T had a million people working for it. It was huge. It was absolutely enormous, by far the largest company in the world. And his job was to look at it as, as, his, as his Petri dish. It was a really cool gig. Anyway, what he came out of uh, AT&T with was, was this essay was, uh, called The Servant is Leader. Basically, he believed that there was a crisis of leadership in business, in academia, and in churches in America. And what he noticed was that leaders ultimately collect a lot of power, and that power corrupts the leaders and makes them ineffective, and if not detrimental to the organizations they're, they're meant to be leading. His solution to that was what he called servant leadership. The theory is simple. The, the idea is that in servant leadership, the leader feels called to serve others first, and that call to service brings them to decide to lead. Okay, So service first, leadership follows. In servant leadership, the leader subordinates themselves to others and to the mission and vision that, that are greater, to, greater than themselves. The servant leader works hard to point followers towards that higher purpose and, and not to themselves. So, so you gotta think the leader all of a sudden becomes uh, the bottom of that typical hierarchical pyramid, okay? It's not the leader up top, the leader's on the bottom serving the needs of the people in the organization, facilitating them to achieve the mission and vision that, that's being set. It's not, it's not about, look at me, look how great I am. Together, you're going to help me become you know, the greatest CEO ever. No, 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 no. It's about, it's about what, what are we trying to accomplish as a group of people, which is normally some kind of altruistic thing, and making sure that there's no barrier between you being able to accomplish that goal. Right? It's, it's, a, different, it's a different way to look at leadership. Research has shown... Um, that servant leadership has identified kind of nine, nine key attributes. And, and I think a lot of these you, you mentioned oh, earlier. Yep, you did, you did. Okay. Um, and, and a lot of these should be, should be kind of common sense, right? Uh, vision, honesty, integrity, trust, service, which is a little bit of a funny one in, in leadership. It's just the whole idea of being uh, not interested in, in yourself, right? Not interested in what you are trying to get out of leadership. Being interested in what others are going to get out of your leadership. Uh, pioneering is another, eh, not a funny one, but uh, maybe a funny word for it, is just the ability to prepare the way towards a vision. Remember Maxwell's quote, leaders know the way, show the way, and go the way? That, that's, that's pioneering. They show an appreciation of others. 
and they empower others. They share their leadership. They share their power with others so that they can get the job done. Servant leadership can be contrasted with more traditional leader-first styles of leadership. In leader-first, there's often a temptation to lead for the sake of personal gain. Servant leadership turns that on its head and, and puts the needs of the served first. Servant leaders act in ways that help those served grow to become healthier, wiser, freer, and more likely to they themselves become servants. And you've got to think, if you are a servant leader, if you, if you establish within your department or your company that this is the way things are going to be, I'm going to make sure that I put your needs first and other people catch on to it, then you don't have to worry about putting your needs first because other people are going to put your needs first, right? It, it starts, once, once it kind of catches fires, things start to get very, very interesting in, in organizations where servant leadership is practiced. Good example of servant leadership is, uh, is Lincoln. Okay, you got to think, his efforts to keep the union together during the Civil War and abolish slavery were not because it was going to be easy or make him look good. It was, it, it was incredibly difficult. But he knew that long term, it was best for the people he was serving. And I think we can all agree that the country as a whole has benefited from that. So I asked the same question about uh, transformational leadership. Has anyone here worked for a servant leader? I don't know if I work for them, but, 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 I, but I fall in this category. And it's, it's predominantly from, a, uh, from, from my background. I mean, you, you, you absolutely transformational. I didn't bring up anything on that, but I've, I've worked for several, several gentlemen that are like that. Right. Um, servant leadership, I've shared this, this insight with a couple different people. Um, I mean, this is ingrained into, into any, anyone who goes in, in, in a military leadership standpoint. This, this, this stuff right here is like, really it's power driven into our heads. Um, we're spoon fed it, we drink the blue Kool Aid, whatever yeah. you want to call it, on day one. Um, and, and, but you can still tell that some people don't get it. And, and I think the biggest reason that people don't get it is because this is, you know, our, we're wired as, as humans. To protect ourselves, right? You know, it's the whole concept of you know when you're on the airplane and they tell you you know if things go bad, you depressurize. Whose mask you put on first? Right. Put your own on first. Yeah. Okay. So which is like the opposite of certain. You do that. I mean, there's obviously reasons to do that. Right. 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 But but it's it's that general concept of putting yourself into the idea of being a servant, putting other people before you, is a very. It's it's like it's rewiring how we're wired as as humans. Yeah. So that that's been that's been an observation that I've had. Um, I've also had now I've seen it for over two decades applied with people who are good practitioners of it and um, have had the opportunity to have it reinforced through things that I've been doing with Boy Scouts of America. Right. Because this I went through some training for adult leaders in that organization and this servant leadership one of the requirements we had to read the Greenlift book. Oh interesting. Um, and this this stuff is this is like I mean, this these are like literally it's like this list is like this is what you know this is what you will bring every day you show up yeah. working with in that kind of organization because it's not about you. And it's funny because it's not you're right, it's not intuitive it goes back to your first slide which says leadership is not something you're born with. Right. You actually have to either be in an organization that will teach you that or actively personally seek it out. Set of skills, right? Set of skills. S simple as that. Yeah. I kind of have a thought too on similar leadership. I think it's a predecessor to become a transformational leadership because you need to learn how to serve people first, understand what the need is, what they need help most, and you can transform their life to be 
become more successful. Do you agree with this? Well, I, I think what you'll notice is that as, as I move forward through the presentation, one of the things I do is I, I compare and contrast the two, and there's, there's a ton of overlap, right? And I think that's common for uh, a lot of models of leadership, is that, is that there's, there's a lot of overlap, and, and people don't tend to flatly disagree with others in terms of, you know, that model is wrong so much as, well, if you tweaked it a little bit, it would look like this, and, and that maybe better describes the leader. So I, I'm, I'm very happy to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah, I know somebody who's a servant leader. Um, he's a mentor for an en engineer's without border student chapter. Oh, okay. Where? Which chapter? Northeastern University. Cool. Cool. And um, so he definitely practices this um, with the students. Um, it's all about them. Hmm. And um, I mean, further, just because of the you know, the nature of the work they're doing. It's also about the community that they're working in um, in Honduras. Right. But, uh, so service, right? Service, yeah. And so it's it's really a, it's a neat model. Yes. Um, I, I was wondering what anybody thought about this model. I, I feel like I'm not sure it can exist in a pure form like for a profit, like a company that's a for-profit company. Like there's just certain situations that come up that I don't know how a servant leader deals with, you know, if you have a really terrible team and you have to get rid of people. Uh, no, it's, it's interesting. Like you kind of have to flip this switch, I guess. I mean, I, I, think, I think the best way to, the best way that I would approach that is because is, um, so let me spin it this way. As a servant, as a servant leader, you're not, you're, and you're, if you're, if you're a servant leader in an organization, you're servant lead, you're leading your, your, your service to that organization. As an and sometimes within an organization, you'll have you'll have individuals who are not they are not board, right. and they need to be pitched over. And you're not doing it because you're not. It, 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 first off, it's difficult. It's hard. It's also not a natural human thing to, to vote somebody off the island. But you're doing it in a way. You're doing it in service to them. If it's done in the correct, if it's done in the transformational leader way. If you're doing it out of trust and integrity. And honesty, it, you're serving them by, by putting them on notice. Okay, I think kind of like Jonathan talked about it this morning when he was giving that letter from his professor who said, yeah, he does the minimum to get by. Okay, so he basically voted them off the island, but that was in service to him to let him to put him on notice. If if the other individuals obviously receive it, but you're also in service to the organization because that individual, depending on whatever the issue might be, may be almost cancerous in the organization causing other people discomfort and, and overall. So you're in so it's still a servant leadership mentality, but it's you know, but you have to I, mean, I don't know if I don't know if you're thinking that well that's kind of a stretch, but but you're really you're in you're in service at different levels. In this case you're in service to you you could also say you're in service to your clients at that point. Because if this individual is delivering the goods, they're not providing value, they're not providing value. I guess I'm envisioning that with certain, it's a lot of it comes down to people's personalities and even an intelligent person can really manipulate a certain leader in my mind where, I don't know, like some, with certain personalities, like sometimes you have to just treat them a little differently, respond, you know, everybody, you have to... Well, Chris, you focus on the right word there, though. In, in, in a for-profit environment, your goal should be as a servant leader, as a transformational leader, one in which you're providing as much value to your client, 10 times the value to your client that you're receiving back in pay. And if you focus on serving to your client, if a member of your team 
is manipulative, that will ultimately show itself in, in results. And if you can't get those results to transform, then you will, then, then you can see how in service to the client you can make a shift. So I think I think it's a really interesting point, right? Because what 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 it gets down to is, you know, no no model is perfect, right? It, it's this isn't this isn't a you know if you have vision, honesty, integrity, trust, service, modeling, pioneering, appreciation appreciation of others and empowerment, everyone wins and you'll always make money. And no, that's that's, that's not true. But um, you know, I, I I appreciate the point the, the the point that you guys are making, and and I think that even even in a situation where there's a poor poor performer in an organization. Often people who aren't doing well in an organization aren't happy in that, in that organization. And, and cutting someone loose can be a service to them. Give them the opportunity to start over. and Give them the opportunity to figure out that, hey, maybe something I was doing wasn't working and I've got to look, look inward. It's, not, it's easier said than done, for sure. But now that we have a couple models of leadership, the question then becomes, what do we do now? How do we actually put this into practice? These models are nice and everything, but how is it going to affect our actual lives? And that's what I want to focus the rest of the talk on, is putting leadership into practice. What I'll do is I'll zero in on a couple elements that are common to both models, right? So that we can look at those things and try and implement those things, and also look at things that are pragmatic, that you as engineers at any level, doesn't matter, can actually use in your day-to-day -day life. There are three common elements that I think kind of capture everything between the two models. There's being a role model, being inspiring, and being selfless. If you look back at the models, being a role model comes from idealized influence from transformational leadership, and then from servant leadership, modeling, honesty, and integrity. Inspiring comes from inspirational motivation and vision and empowerment. Selflessness comes from individualized consideration, that genuine care for others, and service and appreciation of others. Okay, so that, that, that's where I get this. From here, what I want to try and do is find ways to make these traits and attributes actionable. I want to help you do these things. First thing I want to talk about is uh, becoming a role model. To my way of thinking, becoming a role model is a twofold exercise. First is deciding what is that model going to look like, and the second is having the discipline to actually do it. In my experience, the best way to become a role model is to think about your own role models. What made them role models? What, what traits or habits or, or, or practices did they have that made them a role model for you? And how did that affect your company? How did that affect you? So one of the things I want to do before I, I go too much further is, does everyone have a piece of paper and a pen? It'd be great if you take a minute and write down the names of a couple role models and what they did. What did they physically actually do? that you noticed that, that made them role models for you. And, I'll, and if at the end you've got one that you're really excited about, I wouldn't mind uh, hearing about them. And I think what's key here is to, to think about the practices. Think about, think about what they actually did, right? And it might be worthwhile underlining a couple of those practices, say, I'm, I'm going to start doing that. That's something I can do on a daily basis. It doesn't have to be big or crazy or exciting. It just has to be something active. Does anyone have an example they would like to share? If not, that's okay, because I'm running out of time, but <laughs> I'd like to give you the opportunity. I got one, uh, one of the leaders that I met before. He put himself in an honorable position, not mm -hmm. meaning that he want to get himself hurt by any means, but he want to be less defensive to his team, mm -hmm. be more receptive to what his team's input is. He actually listened. I think that's a key word for leadership. Yep. And then he's able to deliver a lot of our thoughts. 
communicate to another management. If he cannot do it, he communicate to another people. If he can do it, he will follow up. That's that's a great example. It's a great example. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you wrap that up, and but I want to I want to keep moving things along here. The second step to becoming a role model is to to actually adopt those traits, right? It could be it could be tough to do this because your traits, your practices, your habits are autopilot for the most part. It's very rare that you you actually stop and think about what you're going to do, right? There's 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 too much too much to do to think, <laughs> right? We're all we're all really busy. We all have our our routines, and the whole trick is to establish new routines. And I think there are two strategies to to help fight against this autopilot. One is to set up reminders, right? Physical mementos to to help you remember, right, this is what I'm targeting. And the second is to have the discipline to actually put those into practice. Now, I'm happy happy Chris is with us because uh, a couple years ago, Chris gave me the idea of setting up a belief board. This is, I think, I dug the email up. It was like 2012 you you sent me this. But but the whole idea is is, what Chris does is, is his desktop background, is, is a collection of, of words and images that remind him of what he's targeting, what he wants in life, what's important, so that it's always there, it's always in front of him. He's got a printout underneath, you've got a glass desk at home, right? And so you can always see it. To me, I, I think that's brilliant. It's always in your face and it can, it can really help you to guide your day-to-day decisions, right? It's always right there. The other thing that I, I think is interesting is with respect to uh, discipline. I, I've, got, I've got Dr. Viktor Frankl here. He wrote that between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose a response. And in that response lies our growth and freedom. Now, to me, this ability to see and use that space between stimulus and response is is the essence of discipline. It's seeing it and using it and using it for something that you're actually trying to target, right? Using it productively. That's very difficult. It is. Because... In that space, we, especially as engineers, we're trained to think, but the most important thing you can do in that moment is not think, and uh, that's an enormous mental practice. um, And and also, our culture teaches us that thinking is valuable, and therefore, the opposite is not true, and that's not true. Right. Um, Not thinking is equally or more valuable, the ability to to not think, and I would encourage everyone, if this is motivating you and you want to develop some discipline for change, seek out some sources on how to stop thinking. And believe it or not, the, the quality of your thinking will improve tremendously. It's like a muscle, it's like a muscle though. Right, yes, yeah, you could look at it it's that like way. Like it has muscle. to be like trained. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so the whole, the whole so idea is to, to eventually reprogram your autopilot, right? Yes. That's, that's the idea. It, and one of the best methods I've ever come up with in terms of, of, of building discipline and, and retraining my autopilot is uh, something I call self-denial. Okay? It's a funny thing, right? but it's, it's remarkably effective. So the whole idea is to start doing things you don't want to do, simple things, things that you don't like. All right? For me, I, I've got a couple examples. I've, I've moved to black coffee. I, don't like, I like black coffee now, so it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll take the stairs instead of the elevator. I'll drive the long way home. I'll take cold showers, right? Things you can do. Anyone can do this. We never do because we don't like it. But the whole point is you have to train yourself. You have the choice. And do whatever you want to do. Often we just don't decide to do what we want to do, 
right? My favorite one, or I guess my least favorite one, is actually driving the speed limit. So hard for me. Like, incredibly difficult for me. But all I have to do is, is just drive the speed limit. It's not actually hard, but through those little kind of silly discipline practices, you can then go on to bigger. It's like, it's like going to the gym. If you start off with 10 pounds, eventually, you know, that's, that, that'll, be, that'll be easy. You build your way up, right? You build your way up to bigger, better, more important things, like adopting the practices and habits of your own role models to become a role model. The next thing, the next common, uh, common element is being inspiring. Inspiration is another idea that might be a little bit tough for some engineers to wrap their heads around. How, how does someone go about intentionally inspiring people? Well, over the course of my career, I've noticed that there are four key components that, that inspirational people share. They have a compelling vision, they adopt positive, can-do attitudes, they take bold action, and they bring you along for the ride. You can't inspire someone without having something for them to inspire, to, to aspire to, right? That's, that's the whole point of vision, that idealized image or picture of the, of the future. In our case here, vision can be applied to ourselves, to our careers, to, to the work we do, to anything. Your challenge is to actually develop a vision. What's your vision for your own career? Could you write the, the resume for yourself 10 years from now? What does that look like? What about, what about the group you work for? What about the company you work for? Do you have this mental picture of what things are going to be like? To me, the, the, the ultimate test is if you could write it down on a recipe card, right? or even better, if you could tweet it, right? If, you, if your vision is that crystal clear, that succinct, then you've got it. And that's something I would challenge you all to do. I got a question, does anyone here know their company's vision statement? Okay, uh, do I have a fact checker? Because I'm actually going to chat. So, so what's, what's yours? Um, value, uh, value our cu customers and our employees for exceptional performance. Okay, and what's, what's your organization? Northrop Grumman. Okay, are, are you checking on this, Chris? Is it? Okay. <laughs> and, 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 what, and what's yours? Provide quality engineering and surveying services. I can't think of the exact word, but it's at. The same way that the larger firms do with that, with that quality and personal experience you get from a small Okay. All right. So, let, let's, let, I, I, I'm sorry to be picking on you guys. No, let, right. let, let's assume you're 100% you're, you're correct. And what, why, why doesn't anyone else know what their organizations are trying to do? They didn't personalize it. They haven't told, they haven't even told their, own, their own. Maybe they haven't told you? No. Yeah. Our, our, our company has told us it's just hard to remember. Yeah. And it was in an email, yeah. and that's it. Right, right. I had to email. I had to email. It's long, yeah. It always sounds kind of like this, too. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, this is an interesting point. Well, what I don't know. I, I was working for a large AE firm and subcontracted to Customs Board Protection. Company lost the uh, contract. I stayed on the job for the following contract. So basically, I just have an employer who signs a paycheck. Right. My right. employer is, is customs board. My company is essence of customs board protection, but my employer just signs a paycheck. Right. And I have right. absolutely no idea what this company does. So I think I think this is I think this is terrible, and I, I don't think that this is particularly. I I think it's very common. I think given any group of engineers, the vast majority of people won't know what their company's vision is, right? Um, I've worked for a few companies where the vision was we're going to be the number one firm in the industry. Who cares? <laughs> How's that going to change the world? What does it matter if you sell more widgets than the next guy? Okay? 
Sir, are we fact checking? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. Was it again? What was it? What was it? <laughs> <laughs> Value customers and employees to bring about exceptional performance. Something around performance. Our vision is to be the most trusted provider of systems and technology that ensure the security and freedom of our nation and its allies. As technology leader, we will define the future oh. defense for <laughs> space and cyberspace. Right. Not that that's <laughs> not that that's a bad thing to target, but it's impossible to remember, oh, and it's yeah. not and it's yeah. not like. You know, and, and I come from ours is ours is a global reach, global vigilance, global power for America. So now that I kind I, I kind of like that, right? Yeah. Right? It's yeah. it's it's punchy. And it's something you can actually get behind. I went I went and I looked up uh, G, GE's vision because GE is one of these companies that that does this kind of thing really well. They say GE is inventing the next industrial era to move, power, build, and cure the world. That's badass. Like that's that's something that if I worked at GE, I'd be very excited to try and make that happen. Right? So I think for everyone here, the challenge is to set up your own vision. What's the vision for, for you? How are you going to change the world? How are you going to change yourself to be able to do that? And I think it's also helpful that if you can establish that, also establish how could your department change? What's your vision for the department? What about your organization? Because the, the point is, you actually matter in your department, in your organization, in your team. Okay? You have an opportunity to help effect change towards that vision, but you've got to start with that vision. Next, inspirational people have positive can-do attitudes. Now, that's not to say that they're, they're naive, they don't understand reality as it really is, that they don't understand that there are some crummy things about the world and about the situation they're in. They just don't get bogged down by it. So they accept reality for what it is, and look to the future with excitement. They're the kind of people who mean it when they, when they smile and mean it when they say, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well. They're, they're just, they're all around, they're good people to be around. I work with a, with a fellow whose name is, uh, he's George, um, and he's one of our uh, uh, methods technicians at, uh, at Bombardier. So, so his job is to figure out, you know, as an engineer, I might design, wiring has to go from point A to point B. He's gonna figure out on a train, how's that physically gonna happen? Wonderfully positive guy. You ask George, how you doing today? And it, he'll, he'll tell you, oh, Pat, I'm doing great. I, I woke up pumping air this morning, so things are looking good. So the guy's legitimately happy to be alive, right? You know, you know what, and going back to what you had said earlier about doing things you don't like, a couple years ago I vowed that I was going to be ridiculously positive. Yep, yep. And even when I was in the mood and I became ridiculously positive even when I was in the mood. Right, right. It's, it's, it's self, self, it's just, it, it just happens. And I think, by and large, it's about context, right? To, to me, there are, there, are, there are two kinds of people in the world. If, you, if, if your car breaks down, you, you can be forgiven for being royally upset that your car broke down. That sucks. Or you'd be like, man, I own a car. That puts me on about like the top 1% of humanity, right? That's, that's fantastic. Like, life is good, hey? So, it, Positivity, I think, is A, a decision, exactly like, like you pointed out, and B, a matter of context. On that note, yeah. I have a personal rule with like, the car breaking down. I always think, will this affect my life six months from now? <laughs> That's a good and one, yeah. Answers no, then I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, yep, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Again, context. Does this really matter? You can even frame it in the same sort of way, will this affect my life today? If, yeah. If I get mad, that makes my day very negative. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. It's it, it's a choice, right? Your your emotions generally are not a choice. 
right? That's, that's generally not something you can control, but you can control your reaction to those emotions, right? Between stimulus and response, there's a space. Use that space to choose your reaction, right? The next thing I want to talk about, it, inspirational people take bold action. They take decisive steps to move themselves and their teams toward a vision. Everyone here knows about bold action. You actually took time off work, you traveled to DC to improve yourselves, to, to improve your careers, right? Anthony, for organizing this conference, that's bold action, okay? You all get that. The challenge then is to continue taking bold action, propose that big project, start that business, write that book, talk at Anthony's next conference, right? Like, do stuff. This is, this is the Nike principle, right? Just do it. Take bold action. Finally, inspirational people bring others along for the ride. They don't say, you know what, David, you should really go do something, right? You should go do X. They say, David, let's go do X, right? It's about, it's about being a team. It's about being inclusive. The final thing that I want to talk about here is selflessness, right? We already know that selflessness is the crux of servant leadership, but I, I also believe that it plays a role in transformational leadership as well. In general, you can think of it as a, as a general orientation toward others. Selfless people not only put the needs of others above their own, they actually think of the needs of others before they think of their own. Now, I should make something clear. Selflessness doesn't mean you ignore your own needs and ambitions. It, rather, the point here is that your needs and ambitions are oriented towards the service of others. That is what you're about. It's not, it's not either or, it's what you do. It's what you're striving for. And like I said earlier, if you adopt this mentality and it catches on with your team, then everyone else is looking out for you because they're putting others first, including you. So you don't have to worry about uh, falling behind. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, we're very close to being done. Now, you probably noticed that the three elements we've, we've talked about, being a role model, inspiring, and selfless, are, aren't mutually exclusive. They, they all feed off one another and build on one another. So bearing this in mind, I'd recommend that when you choose the role models you admire, when you establish your compelling vision, Keep selflessness in the forefront of your mind, right? Because they can all work together. The idea here is simple. When, when you orient your life to the service of others, you can affect real change in the world, which is the whole point of becoming a leader. Now, I've gone over quite a bit in the last hour, so I'm just going to tidy things up here um, and review what we've discussed. We decided that leadership is important for engineers. Leaders, leaders can change the world. They make their organization stronger, and they have better careers. Leadership is not the same as management, charisma, technical mastery, being a senior leader, it's not something you're born with. Um, and as a, as a result, leadership can be learned, developed, and perfected. We also developed, uh, or discussed rather, two models of leadership, transformational leadership and servant leadership, and there's a lot of overlap between the two, we decided. Transformational leadership is about transforming the world around you and about getting people to want to do what you want them to do. And servant leadership is about the desire to serve people first, and then aspiring to lead as a result. We also discussed concrete ways that we could kind of actually put these things into practice. But the most important thing that I want to leave you with today, that if you take anything away from this, I want you to know that leadership is something you can learn, develop, and perfect, and that it's worth doing it, okay? John Maxwell, I referenced earlier, said that leadership is not about titles, positions, or flowcharts. It's about one life influencing another. And I think he's right, and I hope you do too. So I leave you with the challenge to grow in leadership to devote your life to the service of others and to make the world a better place. Thank you very much. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show where we try to give a piece of actionable advice out. And I'm going to do that 
building off of the session you just heard from Pat Sweet, I'm going to take it, you know, take it to a step where you can implement leadership in your engineering career. Before I do that, though, let me just give you a word from today's episode sponsor, PPI. Remember, we love the sponsors because they help us keep the show free for you. If you are planning to take the FE Electrical and Computer Exam, I suggest you check out PPI's brand new FE Electrical and Computer Review Manual, as well as their brand new online review course. The book and the course both come with a passing guarantee and are the top resources I've seen in the FE Electrical market. PPI also has discipline-specific review manuals, practice exams, and review courses for the FE Civil, FE Mechanical, and FE Other Disciplines exams. To browse all products in your FE discipline and receive a 15% off promo code, visit ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. That's ppi, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FE, PE, and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it is the driving force behind everything they do. With the best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindeberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FE, PE, and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help pass your exam and for special offers and discounts exclusive to my podcast listeners, visit ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. That's ppi, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. And I did take one of their courses before we took them on as a sponsor just to check it out. And it is awesome. And I use Michael Lindeberg's book myself to pass the exam at a very young age, the PE exam. So definitely check out PPI, PPI to pass.com forward slash coach. All right. So today's actionable piece of advice is what I call the question approach to leadership. If you're a leader, if you're leading a team, if you're a parent, if you have kids, if you're a coach of a team, try the question approach where you ask your team or your parent uh, or your children, you know, how to do something instead of telling them how to do it, right? So if you say to them, go and clean your room right now, that's not going to sound very appealing to them. But if you say to them, you know, I really, we really want to get this house cleaned up. What do you think is the quickest way that we can clean this house? Or what do you think that you can do to try to get this whole Klaus house cleaned in the next half hour, what can we do if we work together? Then all of a sudden, people start thinking about it. It's the same thing in an engineering project. If you go into a team of people and say, all right, listen, here's the project. I think we're going to put the building here on the site. We're going to put a driveway here. We're going to put um, some drainage structures over here. Go ahead and design it, right? That's one way to do it. Or you can say, listen, I've got some ideas of where we want to put everything on the site, but what do you think as far as the site goes what do you think we should put the building? Where do you recommend we put the driveway? And start to hear some feedback from your team. And then who knows, they might have a better idea than you, right? Or they may not. And you could tell them, you know, it's a good idea, but you know, let's go with what I had and then, you know, keep that in mind. Or you might go with their idea. And just think about it. If you ever did go with their idea, think about how bought in they're going to be to that project. They're going to be bought into it because it's their idea. It's, it becomes their baby. So the question approach is always a great approach to leadership. And it's something that I recommend you try at home or at work in the next 24 hours. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Remember that the next Engineering Career Summit will be in New Orleans next May and we'll provide details on the show as we get closer. We'd absolutely love to hear your feedback on the show and comments and questions. To leave them, you can just go to techpodcast.com, look for episode 64 and leave a comment and we do monitor and respond to all comments if you leave one. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. 
Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.